This is Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. A podcast from Red Hot Publications. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the plush welded studios of Red Hawk Publications, located on the beautiful campus of Catawba Valley Community College, located in Hickory, North Carolina. My name is Robert Knipe, and I am here with my bestie in crime in our publications, Miss. Um, gosh, I can't remember your name all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm your bestie. <laughs> Cat Wrangler extraordinaire. <laughs> Patty Thompson. Yeah. Hey, yeah, guys. I have to be real careful because, you know, they're looking for people are witness protection. Uh, the big boss man and the director of the program, Richard Eller, is here with us today, too. Hi. So, and with us as our guest, uh, the designer and graphic artist of our new publication, Nimble and Tenacious. The History of Catawba Valley Community College. She is also the, uh, you are also what, the director of Alumni Affairs? Alumni Affairs. I am the uh, Alumni Affairs Officer. And what else do you do for the college? Just about anything that they need for me to step up and do. Aren't we all? Aren't we all like that? So, uh, so here we're here today to talk about this great new book, which basically is a history of the college. The college has been around since 1960. Um, we are into our what is that? 1960 from 2022. How many years is that? Well, this year marks the 60th anniversary of our first graduates. 60th anniversary of the first graduates. That's marvelous. Mm-hmm. Wow. Why did you want to do this project, Melanie? Why would anybody want to do something this huge? I mean. Scanning all those pictures, keeping up with all that information, why would you want to do that? Well, CVCC's got a very special place in my heart, and many years ago when I went to school here, I'm an alumnus of CVCC, I graduated in 1988, this college saved my life and my girls' lives and got us in a position where eventually I would be able to come to work here at this college, and this is just sort of like a little love letter to the college through... Richard's words. How tough was it to get through all those pictures? Well, I'm a photographer. I started out as a a journalistic photographer, and I love coffee table books, so it was not tough at all. It was was a nice little surprise almost every day when I'd open up a box, and when I found the negatives from our first graduating commencement ceremony, that was a big thrill for me to be able to see those negatives still intact. Just out of curiosity... Having looked at the book's proofs, how many pictures are we talking? Between seven and 10,000, maybe, that we have on access. Wow. That's insanity. And And they're all over the campus, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, we have them in slides. We have the original negatives. We have um, the coat of color negatives from the 60s. We have um, all sorts of prints and things that were left over from previous photographers. One of the extraordinary things that you did that I didn't think could be done is you evenly dispersed all the images over the 60 years that we 60 plus years that we've been around. How tough was that? Not very because I'm a Tetris kind of person and I'm logistical. So I just categorized it. I just took what you wrote and then I went in and found the photographs that matched that era that you were talking about. Let's go back a minute and talk about the trials and tribulations of finding all of that material. If I'm not mistaken, it seemed to be like in multiple places around campus. 
Can you tell us about how fun it was to find some of that material? Well, people would bring me boxes of photographs, and I would go through them like Bo brought me all of his photographs. Um, there were some that had the actual, um, all the nurses, Naomi East, who was a nursing instructor here. Um, I put out the word to her, and she sent me all the graduating nurses uh, classes from 1963 to the present. Um, so that was pretty cool finding all that. And then I just put out the word to the public that we needed the photographs, and People started sending me stuff, letting me know where to find things like that. Plus, we have all of the yearbooks. So I was able to reach out to some people through the yearbooks that, um, do you ha- would you happen to have these photographs or have an original or know somebody who might have these photographs, that kind of thing. I will point out, I know this is a podcast, and so talking about pictures might seem a little strange, but when we put this episode up, at some point there will be some links so that you can see key pivotal pictures that we might be discussing. And I share this because I have a question for you, Mel. We spoke recently about one particular picture. You had a hard time tracing down, but you were like a forensic scientist. You found it. Tom Dana, is that correct? Thomas Dana, he's the the father of CVCC. Tell us a little bit about Thomas Dana and then how you miraculously got that photo. Well, I worked in... Um, newspapers for a very long time, and so I love to do research. And so Richard had found a photograph of Thomas Dana Jr., and I thought, this man deserves something better than that. So I, I just fixated on it. And so we were off on a Friday, and I just went in, and it's kind of morbid because I'm in genealogy, but I looked up, find a grave, and uh, I found where he was buried, and it had in the obituary his granddaughter's name, so I contacted his granddaughter and um, she put me in touch with his son, Thomas Dana III, and he had the, had the portrait that's in the book. And so he emailed that to me, and then I asked him for a quote because Thomas Dana III was in high school when Thomas Dana Jr. was making this happen. And Richard, if you don't mind, maybe elaborate just a little bit on Thomas Dana, because having read the book, um, he was incredibly influential on us having this institution. What can you say about Mr. Dana? He came to town in 1956 when GE was establishing their transformer plant here. And the first thing he said was, we've got to have a place for education, for educating our folks, but really the whole county, too. He said, that's the next step this county needs to take. And he just drove a committee that ultimately said, we have to have what our first title was, which is Industrial Education Center. And his, I mean, he, he was kind of like the way you were with that picture. He was relentless in that he formed committees to, to get the state interested because the community college system was coming together. It wasn't fully what it is now. But he was pressuring everybody that he could find to make this thing happen. And that's why we kind of agree that he's, he's the guy. He's the godfather. He's the one that made it all happen. And it seems like that he was like an exemplar of tenacity, as well, because of you know his tenacious wanting to get this done and wouldn't take no for an answer, and and his partnerships that he forged were just incredible. Yeah, and and it's funny how one thing builds on another because if we had not had the Hickory Museum of Art, GE would not have come here. If GE had not come here, we wouldn't have CBCC. So everything happens in a kind of a progression, sometimes maybe not a straight progression, but it eventually happens. And you get all kinds of ancillary things that you never dreamt of along the way. 
And those of you listening to this podcast who aren't familiar with North Carolina or from Hickory, North Carolina, that kind of thing probably happens in your own your own hometown too. That one thing leads to another, which all of these different uh, what is the the tentacles or something you used a while ago with uh, oh tentacles like yeah. uh, like an, an octopus yeah yeah that they they intertwine and before you know it something more good comes from things and Mr. Dana was was that person who put all of that together. Yeah. Could you talk about your experience here? You said it saved your life. What did you come out of CVCC with that you really appreciate? Um, well, the support of the instructors at the time, um, we didn't have computers back then that we could do online study. So it was called independent study at that time. And they made it a special exemption for me. Um, I was pregnant the last semester that I was here on campus and I ended up in the hospital and my instructors let me do independent study, and I took my final exams right after my third daughter was born. And then I walked two weeks later to graduate. So wow. that always meant a great deal to me. And then I came back three years later as part of the Displaced Worker Program. And um, it was Mr. Mackey at the time, but Dr. Mackey was my advisor in the Graphic Arts and Advertising Design Program. He also put me on independent study when I was because I was working two jobs and it was getting very difficult for me, and he also helped me out with independent study to be able to complete projects and things like that. So it was that support that was really great for me, and it just just knowing that everybody did everything they possibly could to make sure that I was successful and was able to start the path that would eventually lead me here 25 years later. And again, you're looking at the opportunity of the community college and its nimbleness. Your instructors were able to do those things that they needed to help you do to where you could succeed. And that's that's unusual in a lot of education. Mm-hmm. So uh, hence our title of our book, Nimble and Tenacious. Or the instructors were nimble and the students were tenacious. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. A good example of that is Michael McCree. Oh, yeah, because, one of the first graduates. Because technically he was our first uh, college and career promise student, and we didn't that didn't even exist. He went in and told his teachers that he wanted to go to college, here and when he set it up with his high school, they arranged for him to leave a half a day to go to work at a grocery store, and then he came to school here at night. And he completed two years here, and then trans- went to um, Appalachian and got his ma- his bachelor's, and then went University of Florida for his master's, and became a vocational arts teacher. But what's really cool about Mr. McGree is is he was the first graduating class of Mr. Papp, and I was the last graduating class of Mr. Papp. So a lot of things you see in the book are like six degrees of separation for me so that book ends nicely to be able to have it that way mm-hmm. and also within the book you've got a, a rather important moment that you have at the beginning of the book showing you bringing in your kids mm-hmm. and then going further in time to sort of recreate that in some sort of way well we tried to do some then and nails with students and some of the faculty and so um when i came here in 1985 to register lauren was a week old and Katie was just eleven, just turned a year old. They're now thirty-seven and thirty-eight. And Coy Hudson opened the door for us. Well, Robert Reed is the one who took the photograph of us from the Hickory Daily Record. And I ended up working with Robert um, at the newspaper. He was my photographer at the Hickory Daily Record. So that's one of the six degrees of separation. But I carry that photo in my wallet everywhere I go. And I've only shown it to Dr. Henshaw. I've never shown it to anybody else. So the world gets to see it now. 
So please don't laugh at the hair. My mother thought she was doing me a favor. And, but, <laughs> well, it was the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> it was the 80s. So but I tried to do that with everybody who um, I contacted and submitted their then and now photos. And so that was that was really cool for me. I have a feeling that this is going to be like an Easter egg hunt, this book, that folks are going to want to look into all the decades, well represented and displayed very well. Folks are going to have a good time looking at this book. Oh, the pages of collages are going to be fun to go through that uh, Melanie and one of our uh, students, Jamie Brugman, put together out of uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photographs. Do you want to comment on how difficult or how fun that was to build those collages? Well, probably for me and Jamie, it was probably, it's a lot of fun for us. It was like building a big giant puzzle. And just finding the photographs that, you know, would fit into that. and um, You broke it down into decades, decades, and then each decade is broken down into? Four, four or five sections. Um, the 60s, we had graduation, athletics, um, student life, and then classroom. So we tried to keep that going throughout the, the decades, but during the 90s, we didn't have that many photographs of those things going on. So we sort of had to work with a different, different lineup. Um, and then the rest of the photographs from the 2000s on up, most of those I took because I started here in 2010. So they're all digital. So I sort of knew where most of those were located. So, And Wendy Bumgarner, who was my predecessor um, as a senior graphic designer, um, she kept a well-organized DVD collection of photographs. And so I got a lot of stuff from her as well. And working with alumni affairs, even before this project started, you had a lot of stories from people who kind of shared your enthusiasm for CVCC mm-hmm. because it changed, I mean, thousands of lives. Mm-hmm. Well, we ha- we do. Um, I asked for uh, alumni spotlights, and so a lot of people have submitted their spotlights to us. So if you go to the CVCC alumni page on cvcc.edu/alumni, you'll see the spotlight page, and there's people um, who've earned their doctorates who have come back to us and talked to us and. Um, they just let us know where they are and what their accomplishments are and that kind of thing. So um, it's really fun to be able to reach out to them. If I see them in the newspaper, I'll contact them and ask them, hey, let me share your, your good news on our Spotlight page. And um, they share it with, with me, and I share it on our Facebook page. And I celebrate them because, you know, without them, there wouldn't be us. And all of you well-off, famous alumni from CBCC, <laughs> we would love for you to donate to our foundation, <laughs> which would help other students be as successful as you are, because the community college is one of the few places in the United States where the nimbleness and tenaciousness can help people succeed, whereas they might not be able to find that help otherwise. Pay it forward. Pay it forward, exactly. Yeah. During COVID, um, I had to, I guess, why not? Let's disclose it. I had a scare with COVID, and I went to a local healthcare provider. The gentleman that provided me with my swab, he was a graduate of the Physician's Assistance Program, which surprised me because, as we know, here in 2021, uh, Physician's Assistant Programs require graduate study. And I learned from him that, no, back in the day, CVCC had a physician's assistant two-year program. He and his brother both got those degrees, were grandfathered, and so to this day they're PAs with a, with a two-year degree. Mm-hmm. So it meant a lot to them to know that we were writing this book because they were very proud of the yep. institution. And that was the first time I had heard that Catawba Valley Community College was referred to as 
Harvard on the highway. That made me laugh. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's a lot of names, some we can't use here. But, you know, when you told me that story, I had to go back and look and say, because I hadn't, I didn't have that in the text and had to go back and look and see, is that true? You know, is this guy right? And it was only for a couple of years Mm -hmm. in the, what, mid-70s, somewhere around in there, early to mid-70s. And we had it going. What's amazing, I find, about this college, and it does speak to that nimble thing, is we've tried everything. When they were getting in new cash registers that, you know, you had to do some manipulation Mm -hmm. from the old way, we taught courses on it. We set up a counter in one of the buildings to do that. We did that on the East Campus. We did occupational therapy. Or the, those classes, and you learned how to run a, one of the regular cash registers. That's how I learned how to use a cash register when I worked in the grocery store. I can still, Ray Hall was my business office machine teacher, and I could still hold a pencil while I'm using a, the key, the number pad on the computer. So, I mean, it's crazy the things that you've learned um, in the past that you carry through life with you. So, you know, it, all, it, it just has an impact, and sometimes you don't even realize that's what, what did it. And then... I saw pictures of Mr. DeMeo and Larry Holler and all of my former instructors and Lichtenstein. And, you know, they just had a big part in my life. And it was just very, very special to find them. And I found my yearbook. So, Yeah, and out of the 58, Lynn Lichtenstein was... Um, she was state. State. You won the state. Yeah, the only time that we've had that happen. So, I mean, there's some really nice moments that you, mm-hmm. you know, that show up in the book. Well, it, one of the things that I thought was really cool about about doing this is watching the progression of when Thomas Dana started this and where we are now with Dr. Henshaw. And he followed, He's Dr. Henshaw is following the plan that Thomas Dana had. He built this because General Electric needed training. And he knew that people in the community needed industry training, and that's why he built it. And now we have the brand-new Workforce Solutions Center and Manufacturing Solutions Center and all these academies and everything because Dr. Henshaw could see that vision, and he carried that vision forward. So that's also very important for us to, to remember um, that, you know, this it's not going to stop with Dr. Henshaw, but Dr. Henshaw is very instrumental and making it continue on. And the fact that this institution, I've worked at five. This is my first, fifth academic institution. And the fact that there's only been three presidents, that's impressive. Yeah, very few community colleges can say that. And the other thing is, it's almost as though right now we've come full circle because we started out as a vocational industrial training center and through the 70s and 80s grew in uh, curriculum transfer courses but now our newest building is back to the original mission. And you think about it, we're a community college. We're not a university. We're not a four-year. We are a community college, and we need to listen to what our community needs. And that's what they've done is they've listened. And in watching, reading the copy that you put into the book and then seeing all the photos and the progression of it, it's, it's amazing how far we've come from 1958 when they were just thinking about it to what we've got now on campus. And you are listening to Red Pub Pod from Red Hawk Publications here at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. But Robert, here's the important thing. When this book comes out, where will I buy it? <laughs> oh, you will definitely buy it at redhawkpublications.com. That's redhawkpublications.com. And a lot of pictures. Um, 
So you can, the scavenger hunt, I think, is a really neat idea to go and find where, if, if you're not in it, somebody from your time was. Correct. Complete with all the changes mm-hmm. of, you know, the things that dictate what that time was, mm-hmm. like the the gravel parking lot, the Miss CVCC pad, beauty pageant that they had. I mean, there's some things that's gone by the wayside, and maybe they should, but there's it's really a chronicle of what life was like in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, on through here. It is, and what's really nice is that Joe Young and his photo, uh, photography technology students did then and nails of the construction and some of the areas here on the campus, and those are in the book. So you get an idea of what we looked like back in the 60s compared to what the building is now. And one of the really cool shots we have is, um, not many people would know about it, but the stock sale we had here in Catawba County was on Thursdays, was located across from us is where our Lowe's and Walmart is now. Um, There's an aerial photograph, and one of the students did a composite of the current campus and the stock sale. So when you look at it, it puts it all into perspective. So is that what a then and now picture is? Can mm-hmm. you kind of explain a little further like what that might be? Well, the then and now, the stock sale could have been done back in the 1970s or 80s. It was an aerial photograph taken of the campus and it included the, the stock sale. So that could have been back in the 70s or the 80s. So there are other photographs in the book that show a particular building or a particular place on campus where it may be back in the 60s or 70s, will, joined uh, to one that's more modern or just taken recently? Right. For instance, the one with the, the Pat building, Robert E. Pat building, there's a photograph, and it's, I call it my hiccup moment. Every time I see it, it just makes me go, <gasps> and it's the one where we've got a current photo of the Pat building, but we have the black and white photograph of Mr. Pat coming out of the construction. And so they've blended the two together, so it's almost... It's like it's a ghost moment, you know. Right. Here comes Mr. Papp, and, you know, the I've seen the Dunbar building in construction, and they've got it split open so you can see the internal, the ironworks that were going on. And um, students that were on campus for activities back in the 60s are running across campus that's currently the campus now. So the bell tower, and, I mean, there's just so many things, and I couldn't get everybody or everything into the book, so I'm hoping that I'll build a companion piece online that um, we can access so that everybody will have access to the photographs and the artwork that these students did because it's just amazing. Wow, that's amazing. You're going to get so much extra for your money, folks, when you purchase this book. And and part of the proceeds go toward the Alumni Association Mm -hmm. to help the Alumni Association contact and get in touch with and what else are you going to do with Well, I'm hoping Dr. Henshaw has tasked us with uh, creating an unrestricted fund and that's what I would like to do is I would cre- I want to create um, some alumni, even if it's different groups of alumni, like the nurses can create their own groups. Right. So that we can come together and start doing fundraising and raise funds for so our future alumni will be able to come to school here and not have to worry about if they have gas money or if they can't pay for their books. So I want to make that possible. But I also want to create a Thomas Dana Jr. scholarship for students here and also in a legacy and an alumni return Scholarship, so that if you are an alumnus of CVCC, you may not know it, but you have access to all the services that are on this campus, like the Career Center and all of that. But now I want them, if they decide they're going to change careers and they want to come back here to do it, I would like to have a scholarship available that they can go for and ask if, apply for so that they can come back to school and not worry about it. So, And a legacy as well. I tell you, the ability to change careers is important in today's uh, work. 
environment. I know that I'm I'm a second career person, you know, working here at CVCC as a, an English instructor. I was originally in business and retail, and this place worked perfectly for me to inexpensively complete my first two years of my education, go on to uh, a four-year university, finish two years, and then do two years to finish my master's to where I could come to work here. And I wanted to work here right out of the bat. I mean, it's just, this is a great place to work, mainly because your ability to help people. The institution pushes you to help people, and I like that about this place. Now, Melanie, you also had a very tenacious idea of adding a gatefold center spread to this book. The piece de resistance. Yeah, this is the thing that's really going to be worth your money, folks. It's amazing, this thing. Tell, tell the listeners about this, this, this centerpiece. Well, it, it, I call it the Dada Pages, but actually Robert came up with the idea. He was showing me the gatefold for a, a book that he had. And I put, uh, there's a photograph of the campus when the building was first built in 1960. And it opens up, and when it does, you see this really pretty drone photo that Patty took of the entire campus. And then we also included, I worked with Richard on getting the timelines together. So there's a timeline from the moment we started to the current time so that people could see what our progression was. And it's it's just one of those, you open it up and you see it, and then you just open it up and you see it. And it's just... I just, I loved everything about it. Every time I go through it and I keep looking through it and looking through it, and I just, I don't know, the book is just very special to me. It's like my own personal love letter. And folks, we are assembling, printing, and creating this book right here on campus. This is not one of your international, you know, printed in Singapore type books. This is a book that is going to be printed, assembled, and created right here on campus by the Catawba Valley Community College. Um, let's say the marketing department is, is, is part involved of it. in that. Uh, I mean, everything's homegrown in this. You, you go to Joe Young and his students with the then and nows. You go to the text. You go to the layout. You go to the printing. Everything in this book is done by folks on this campus, which I think demonstrates kind of the can-do attitude of community yes. college. The director of marketing, Jennifer Cobb, sent an email you know, to us the other day that said she's going to have everybody in her uh, department, you know, helping put things together with Jonathan Leo and the print resources and stuff like that. It is a CVCC thing. Because that gatefold, I understand, is quite a intricate deal to be able to put together. It is because they have to print the first half of the book and put a separator sheet in and then the second half of the book and then they manually install the insert, the the gatefold insert. So, yeah, it's, a, it's labor intensive, but that's what's going to make it worth everything. It's a labor of love as well, mm-hmm. and, and I really like that too. Yeah, and I think everyone in this room has been touched by it. I, Robert, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me. I'm you, touched. Period. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you did your two years here. Not only did you do your two years, but you know your family has as well. Richard, you've worked here. Your wife has worked here. Your son works here. Um, it turns out my husband went here. So Yeah, my daughter Christina did her first two years of a four-year degree here as well. Yeah, my daughter did too. Yeah. Wow. This, this place is a bargain, and you get a really, really good education at Catawba Valley Community College for your money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's some of the stuff was more difficult than some of the stuff that I came up against in, you know, in my second two years and even in grad school. I got really challenged here, and I was really happy about that. Between the GED opportunities, basic skills, uh, continuing education courses, and, of course, the curriculum programs, 
This place has probably touched more lives than we could imagine. And for you folks who live in North Carolina that are listening to this, please contact your North Carolina state representatives and ask them to raise the budget for community colleges because they are a bargain and we still don't make the kind of money in the budget that the four years make. Every dime that goes into this place, you can see it. You can find it. It's a good stewardship of taxpayer dollars. And we hope that this book reflects that. And uh, even the title, Nimble and Tenacious, it's those things that this institution can turn on a dime and do to help people and uh, create things that just make a good community. I worked in workforce development before coming here. And at a statewide conference, there was a gentleman that uh, challenged everyone in the room to talk about what was the number one grad school in North Carolina. And it was a joke. The number one grad school in North Carolina are the community colleges. Mm -hmm. Because once you get that degree in English or sociology, um, you're going to go back to school, more than likely a community college, to get skills so that you can work. So that, that always made an impact on me. A lot of people's lives are touched by community colleges. Well, the way that I got to CVCC was I had a four-year ride at Lenore Run. Both, both my mom and dad worked there. My mom worked in the alumni office with Clarence Pugh. And I did my work study in the alumni office, which was kind of funny. I'm coming full circle. But I'm not a four-year university person. I wanted to build things and make things, and my dad wanted me to go to school. And he wanted my brother to build things and make things, and my brother wanted to go to school. My brother has a doctorate in French literature, and I teach stained glass on the East Campus on Monday nights. And I build things, so I'm happy. So that's not it. Four-year colleges is not for everybody. And there's a lot of people that just give up. If I don't have a four-year degree, I can't succeed. You can get a certificate, a diploma, or a two-year degree and just about anything on this campus and be successful and make really good money and hit the ground running and lead the life that you want to lead. So, It's about that post-secondary credential that Governor Cooper has been kind of hammering away at, um, and I hope that doesn't go away. Um, the fact is, beyond high school, you need something. It doesn't have to be the four-year degree, but you need something to make you have the skills so that you can work. And what's really, be- really cool about that is our vocational programs like welding, um, auto system technology, megatronics, those are being offered in high school now, so our juniors and seniors can take those classes for free and come out with a certificate when they graduate. But also, we have the CCP program where you can take core curriculum classes and when you're in high school, and you can be ahead of the game when you come here um, after you graduate high school. You could have 53 credits under your belt, and that's two-thirds of the way through your whole entire, you know, associates or college transfer or whatever it is you're going for. And so the stained glass is very instructive in that we teach about everything. There's there's something for everybody on this campus. I defy anybody to, to, to tell me that there's not something on this campus that they would like to learn to do. I would love to take the welding curriculum. If I wasn't teaching on Monday nights, I would be taking welding at night. Female welders. That's I'm sure they're out there, but my goodness, that'd be interesting to see. And they make good money. And they, <laughs> they do, but they, they like to have the females in those programs. You know why? Because we pay more attention to detail. And that's why they would like for us to be in megatronics and computer-integrated machining and in those vocational programs because we pay more attention to the detail. That's absolutely true. I had a female plumber in my house a couple of months ago, and uh, she she finishes up, leans back, put her hands on her hips, and says, there you go, that's it, it's done. And I said, well, the last plumber was here, said, I guess that's it. And I went, like, you guess. <laughs> 
as you got she to was, jail for 200 bucks. Yeah, she was very certain. He was like, hey, it might spring a leak on you after I leave, but that'll be your problem. So I was, I was happy with her certitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I will say this about the story about CVCC, because going into it, you think, oh, it's a, it's a community college. How interesting can this be? It's really interesting. But it's got more, more oomph to it than you would think. I mean, the way we got into the um, uh, East Campus, uh, all the programs that came and went, you know, we didn't keep everything. Uh, that progression that you talk about from PAP to Dunbar to Henshaw is uh, pretty cohesive, given that you had three guys from three very different backgrounds. And it, in, in, at the heart of it, and I don't think we ever got to a final number on this, about how many students that we've served. I can't get to that number, but we were talking over 100,000. It's got to yeah, be. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Well, when you think about what our census could possibly be, what, 5,000 5, a year or a semester, and there's two semesters, you know, do that by the year. And then that's how you could get a big estimate. That could just be your estimate on how many students have come through here, not including your certificates and your diplomas and the people on the East Campus, BLET and Fire Protection and all of those, or the academies. Or I mean, it's like t- I'm, I feel like I'm Bubba Gump sometimes when I'm leading somebody on campus and I'm saying, we've got this and this and this and this, and this is how great we are. We have something for everybody to, that would benefit them. And so if you haven't been on campus lately, you need to come back because we got statues, we got new buildings, we got all sorts of things that is not the community college that you once attended, especially if you were there in the 70s or 80s. Yeah, you've got to come see these brass birds, these <laughs> brass red hawks on these pedestals. Uh, Melanie, where did you get your education with graphic arts? Are you self-taught or have you received uh, formal education or is it just something you just you just comes to you naturally? Um I took marketing in my business administration, and I went to work for Timbrook Hospital, which was a mental hospital here in Hickory, which is now Frysdale campus. And that was part of my job was I was just creative in general. And so I just started picking up stuff and just we didn't have YouTube back then, but I would get books and pick up training. And then I came into with Dr. Mackey and Chris Rader, and um, I took a couple of semesters with them and Nathan Cole. I did uh, photography with him. And then I just rolled with it from there. So I got into positions that I used the skills, and I just continued to learn as I went along. So I went in from being in marketing at a mental hospital to working in minor league baseball, where I was director of merchandise and publication. And I was at the Crawdads for 10 years. I was part of the inaugural team. And then I moved into the Hickory Daily Record and the Charlotte Observer and Creative Services and picked up those skills and learned all about the Adobe Suites and all of the, the creative tools I needed there. And um, then I moved into interactive media, which was managing content and all the videos and photography and things like that that went on the websites and went from there and then got laid off. And I laid off in 2008 and sent out 174 resumes. And Mary Reynolds picked picked me up. Was my She was my 174th uh, resume. And what was even cool was when I got in there, the people that I saw that were there were the people that I knew when I was here. In 1988. Well, you did a phenomenal job on this book. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it is a phenomenal job. And as soon and as soon as I shut down this podcast, I'll be going to our website at redhawkpublications.com, putting the book up for sale. 
at a sale price. You need to go to that website after you've listened to this and check that out because that sale price will not last very long. And I was reminded... (laughs) (laughs) And if you pay an extra fee, we'll send you a... We'll double your order. (laughs) They do get a free bookmark. Oh, yeah. We've got a free bookmark. Uh, You know, we will uh, send it to you. Free shipping. That's worth a lot of money nowadays, as expensive as shipping is. But uh, my colleague Patty reminded me to remind you folks that this is part one of a two-part podcast where we're going to have the big kahuna himself in here, the dude, Dr. Garrett D. Henshaw in the future, talking about the book and talking about his tenure here. Make sure you look for that podcast as well. Has anybody else got anything else they want to say or, or ask Melanie? Just thank you. Thank you. Thank I, you I for saw you diligently me. working uh, all the time in that room, scanning and putting things in and doing the the, the photoshopping. It, it's it. I know this was a lot of work. Yes, you are the mistress of patience. Yeah. Mm. To sit and scan and scan and scan and. But scan. it's paid off. I mean, mm. it's it's, yeah. a, it's a gorgeous book. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. It really is nice, and I cannot wait for you folks out there to see it. I mean, it is well, well worth your time to pick this up to learn about the college. Uh, For you folks that are listening that are outside North Carolina, check into your own community colleges in your own area and find out uh, what they've done to help create community in, in your area because community colleges are the greatest value for your money, for your education dollar. So, When you guys hear this, please be mindful. Bread Pod is distributed through the mesh, and as a result... It can be picked up on all the standard podcast platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and soon Google. In the description, there will be links that will help you not only buy our books, but also to uh, highlight some of the photos that uh, we know that Melanie's worked so hard on. So again, thank you. Thank you. And notice when you're on our website that we have about 75 individual titles, all kinds of stuff from memoir to poetry. Uh, It's not all about uh, Hickory, North Carolina, or all about CVCC. There's lots and lots of stuff on there that uh, is uh, indicative of of the way that we uh, work with other writers and authors from all over the country. So be sure and check that out. So I'd like to thank Melanie Zimmerman for coming in tonight or today or this afternoon, whenever it is. Thank you to my colleague whose name I can't remember um, let me see. Bestie, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Bestie. Patty Thompson. Cat Wrangler. <laughs> and uh, the director and the, and the big boss man, Richard Eller. We'll even have a bigger boss man next time. So, <laughs> <laughs> If you keep eating the way you're doing, that's mm. the way we'll both be. Uh, I'm Robert Knipe. I thank you very much, and thank you for joining this episode of Red Pub Pod. Thanks for listening to Red Pub Podcast Red Pub from Red Hot Publications. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pop. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub.